Welcome to Lift and Love Conversations, where we are building a supportive culture around LGBTQ families in the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. I'm Allison Dayton from Lift and Love, and I will show you how to lean into your spiritual discomfort to deepen and grow your testimony of Jesus Christ. And I am Jenny Hunter of Jenny Hunter Coaching. I will help you identify obstacles that could get in the way of sustaining healthy relationships and realizing the blessings of being an LGBTQ family. Each week, we will bring you lessons we've learned through our own lives, the experiences of families we've worked with, and conversations with amazing experts. Hello, our Lift and Love community. We've missed you. We had we are just coming off of conference weekend, and Allison, it was the weirdest weekend. You know, like I had my, I had one child at home, my other child, Mary, who is a senior, she went out to go visit all her sisters out at BYU, Idaho and BYU Provo. So she's having a blast. And so it was John and I and our one child. I thought we were going to be alone, but Jake came up from BYU and then Autumn, who does our family stories, her daughter up because listen to this, they had planned to watch conference, bake lasagnas and feed the homeless in between the first and second session on Saturday afternoon. Okay, did brought- you do anything like that in college? These um, girls are amazing. I did not. <laughs> oh my God. Uh, I'm not sure that I sat through both sessions of conference. <laughs> and, then like- and then cooked for the homeless. No, well, I cooked Good like job. five lasagnas and they were just so, so delightful. So it was really fun. We thought we we're going to have this boring weekend and we ended up having all these college kids and they all kind of knew each other through different veins of life. And oh, it was, it was cool. It was a really cool. Well, there is an amazing spirit. Every time I go to your house, I'm like, I never want to leave. It is true. It's lovely. We love that we have plenty of room for plenty of people and, you know, kitchen space and all that stuff. So it was just, it was a cool, it was a gift from autumn that I wouldn't have had, had we not had this amazing group of moms that we are all getting to know. I love that. And it's so fun because like, like being there and like, I think Sunday for me for conference was, um, it was really uplifting. Like I, oh, there's yeah, some talk yeah. Sunday that I will study over and over. And I mean, I, for Camille what would you say was your favorite talk? Camille, sister Camille Johnson. Yes. Uh, her talk was just really amazing. I don't know. It just lit me up. I just, it was so good. There were, there were like parts of a lot of them that I would cobble together as my favorite, but that one just, I don't know. That was beautiful. Yeah. yeah. And I think probably my favorite moment of conference was when um, our, the prophet was talking about the temple and how the Lord wants us to know the covenants. Like, I felt like the Lord was talking to us. It was a really powerful moment for me. And I'm just so glad that the temples are open again, that we get to go back and, yeah. you know, have that because I, it was just, it once again, made me um, excited to study more about the covenants and the endowments and what we do there, because I really have a testimony that um, a temple attendance is one of the biggest things that changes you and changes your heart for sure. Yeah. It's yeah. interesting that you said that. Cause I had a mom that was struggling with some of the stuff that was said about the temple and I would totally understand that. And I, yeah. I would say this to any parent and it's true for me when I go to the temple, when I do an endowment session, like I feel like I am taught so much about my LGBTQ child, my gay child. Amen. Amen. And that's where, I mean, that's the information I take about the temple is in that when I'm there, when yeah. I'm feeling that inspiration, like I like to hold on to that rather than like other things that maybe don't feel, you know, that are harder to, to manage in my head, but there there's just so much hope. Yeah, because even though your child maybe cannot go into the temple, 
you can still go to the temple and get inspiration. And like, like there's still benefits for your child about you going to the temple and their life will be blessed for it. Yeah. You know, that's what I think my life. Sure. The understanding and it's, it's so good. And then I always talk about the um, initiatories, which Mm. love those blessings. So yeah, it was, it was, it was was gorgeous here. It was, um, it was 90 here, (laughs) you know, cleaning up and making food and cleaning it up and making, but it was awesome. Yes, I totally agree. It was the pajama church is the best, but we're not here to talk about pajama church today. We no. are here because we are doing our third declaration of divinity. We're so excited. This one's a good one. Should I read it? Yes, but I want to say they're all good, but this is a good one. I know. <laughs> I know. And let me just say um, beforehand that the reason we're doing these is because as mothers, you get kind of thrown off your mom game. Mm-hmm. When your, when your child comes out and you start questioning things that you would never have questioned before. Um, and so this is a way of coming back to who you are as a mother and who this child is as your child and who they are in the scope of this life and the Lord, you know, the Lord's plan for them. So, right. The truths, yep. the truths. So, okay. This one is number three. As mothers, we know that our families can only be complete when all members are loved and valued equally. We believe that each individual is an important part of the eternal family of God. We have faith that our heavenly parents know and understand our unique situation and that by following their guidance given through the Holy Spirit, our earthly families will return to live with them again. Let's break that down a little bit. It's such a powerful statement. And, um, you know, one of the reasons we are doing a statement about eternal families is that we have seen a lot of families when their child comes out question, are they still an eternal family? And this is a common pain point that um, feels very um, horrible. These thoughts and this um, where you have to kind of sift through and decide what is true when your child comes out. Well, and. I'm not sure where the idea comes from because it's, it's not stated anywhere that this, like, there's no like reference about gay people not being part of the, you know, this is like a, yeah. sort of something that was, that came about. And Jenny and I talk about this a lot and I, I, I wonder about it a lot. So when my brother came out in the early seventies and then I knew about it in the early eighties, my parents never talked about this as something that that disrupted our family or broke our eternal family. Mm. Um, that idea never came into the conversation. It, it was that I had a gay brother. Um, my parents actually never bought into the choice thing. They, they, they were so ahead of their time. Right, right. Yeah. So they knew, they they believed that he could be cured of it, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. But they didn't think that this was a choice that he made willingly, or that he, you know, it was him just being sinful. It was so young when it ha- when they found out, and um, so we sort of skipped all those conversations about like no, empty chairs. And yeah, I was going to say that. I, I I think that is one of the worst statements 
that has been thrown around our community. No empty chair, right? Like we do the work for no empty chair. And I think that tells us how ignorant we are with how eternal families work. Right? Like, like we are all of the eternal family of God. Yeah. Period. Yeah. So if we're all of the eternal family of God, then our children are part of the eternal family of God and they're in our family, right? So right. there's no there's no structure around that. But no. it changed, like Jenny was saying just the the other day, and as we were preparing for this this morning, like it's so weird that I I never I never considered it. In fact, I asked my mom, I was doing some writing or something. And I said to her, okay, so why did, why did you and dad like never worry about that? And she said, it never even crossed my mind. Uh, Isn't that beautiful? Like that she never had that thought to like that pain point for her. Yeah. Now here's the weird thing. So a whole bunch of people around her were thinking, oh, our family's broken. There's an empty chair. This child will never be redeemed of God. And they had to feel all that pain, but my mom just didn't have it. So she didn't like, that's the power of thinking, right? Totally. Of like how your thoughts create your result. And, you know, there's so much we don't know, like there's more, we don't know about the eternities than we do know. And I think like in this case, we really have to keep like the big picture in mind of like, and probably I think president Irene gave the best talk about this when he said um, in his quote, A prophet of God once offered me counsel that gave me peace. I was worried that the choices of others might make it impossible for our family to be together forever. He said, the prophet said, he didn't say which prophet, which I wonder, but it's fun that to think about who it might be. And he said, you are worrying about the wrong problem. You just live worthy of the celestial kingdom and the family arrangements will be more wonderful than you can imagine. And he goes, our loving heavenly father knows our hearts. His purpose is to give us happiness. And so he gave the gift of his son to make possible the joy of family bonds that continue forever. It is the offer that every child of God who comes into the the world may claim. Right. Okay. And here in the family proclamation, all human beings, male and female are created in the image of God. So we are all created in the image of God. Each is a beloved spirit, son, or daughter of heavenly parents. And as such, each has a divine nature, a divine destiny, each. There is no exclusion here for any reason. We also learn in the proclamation that we are responsible for nurturing these children and that we are partners if we have a partner with a a spouse. But one important part of the family proclamation that we forget is that disability, death, or other circumstances may necessitate may necessitate individual adaptation. So here we are as parents of LGBTQ, gay, trans, you know, what have you, children, and let's adapt. Individual adaptation for the child. So it's all written right there. It is. And going back to our statement, the first line of it is, as mothers, we know that our family can only be complete when all members are loved and valued equally. We believe that each individual is an important part of the eternal family of God. And I like this part. I like of the statement because it really is talking about like, um, you know, that app where um, it's called plant snap and you take a picture of it. It tells you, you know, like, oh, that plant needs more water, more fertilizer, more sun. Like when we stop looking at like 
like the, our family as, I think you said it beautifully, like you need a parent, the individual, not the ideology. Mm-hmm. And I'm not parenting an idea here. We're parenting right? an individual. An individual who is divine, who has a divine destiny, who is, um, is, is loved as equally as the rest of your children. Like all of those, whatever you have thoughts around that child about how they are different in the world. If you're thinking that that is a problem or if that is disappointing God, those are not thoughts that are serving you. That is where you need to clean up and be like, how my child, the version of my child that I see is the perfect version. Like that is how God created them. And that is how I need to learn how to love them. Even though it's this child might be different from what I thought the child would be. Right. So you, you know, in the plant analogy, and I only know like four plants, so I'm going to try here, but like, say you have a fiddle leaf or you think you have a fiddle leaf because the other kids were fiddle leaves, right? Or your other plants were fiddle leaves. So you're watering. I love a fiddle leaf. They're very, (laughs) they're very pretty, but you're watering this plant every week because that's what we do or ferns you know you've got a fern and a fiddle leaf and you're watering these plants every week and you have this other plant that's emerging and you're watering it and it's a mess well it's a cactus you're killing you only water that one once a a month thank you ben shalati for telling me that and you do you know you have to parent this plant differently otherwise it will not thrive so, right. There's just, it's just a, right. it just is. So here we are, we have this child and, um, and we're adapting, right. We're learning mm-hmm. to, to do this differently. So uh, one of the things that we really talk about is like looking at this child through our heavenly parents' eyes. Yes. Right. Like really getting like, this is something that I would uh, um, challenge you to pray constantly about to help me see the vision of how you see this child to your heavenly parents and each of your children, each of your children. You're right. It's powerful. Like I told Allison, like I'm from 10, right. And we nine girls and a boy and like my parents miraculously, like they parenting, they did amazing because they really did give us the value. Like um, I tell her, like, we would be watching Miss America putting pink curlers in our hair. And um, my mom and dad would be like, any of you girls could be up there. Like they really felt, we were like, oh yeah, right. Like, <laughs> but they really, they really believe that that wasn't just like, they saw is better than we saw ourselves. They really did. And they gave us that gift. And I saw what it did for me. And sometimes like, I will be vulnerable here. Like when Nick first came out, that kind of destroyed my vision of like what I thought he was going to be because I saw this vision of this amazing like priest leader and all these things. Uh-huh. And it kind of like made me like, can I, can they still be amazing and great? Like it took me a while to shift through my, sift through my pain to get that vision back and get even a greater vision of Nick who what was like to combine his LGBTQ in with Hemley father's vision of like, and have a less prescriptive vision of what I thought. And what, then what he taught me was like, Oh, I didn't even understand this boy and the gifts he has and the mission he has on this earth. It's very different from what I had thought, but that didn't make it less of this divine destiny he had, well, but I had to be schooled that I yeah. didn't taught it. And think about how important that is as a parent to do for all of your children, because often we parent our children based on what we think about them. Yeah. Not really knowing 
enough about them or about their true destiny. We're just, we're bringing a lot of our own baggage and the baggage that we wish for them. And like, you know, we can run into problems quickly with any child that way, like trying to parent them in a way that you think you should parent them without really kind of contemplating who they are as an individual instead of an extension of us. And I totally agree. But the thing that other children who are not LGBTQ in our gospel, they get sometimes this vision at church yeah. of who they were in there. And, yes. and we know that our LGBTQ, they fight against that vision. They don't see themselves. They keep hearing the message that they're broken. And so that's why it really does have to start in with you as the mom and as the yeah. father to, because they need, everybody needs this vision. And so it sitting is, like as we say, co-parenting with with our heavenly parents, like, and that's right. something that you can meditate about. And I mean, it's something that will develop over the years. And you you right. don't want to be like, this is what you're supposed to, you know, we don't want to go back to that like prescriptive, here's who you're supposed to be. But like, wow, I see you as this child. So Jenny and I get this because we are talk to each other from halfway around the well. A total, almost a country. Yes. Our children walk into our lives and our phone calls and stuff as we're zooming, and yes. we zoom so we can see each other and and be together that way. So uh, I get to see um, Jenny parent her children. Oh goodness, children. I'm sorry, mother. <laughs> no, it's awesome. And um, one of uh, we were talking about this. One of these, you were on a call with one of your kids, and and you were talking about the other child, and you talked about them. You said something like you know how amazing she is and um, here's some of her limitations and here's some of her, the frustrating things about her. And, um, and if, as you help her to like, you know, as you know, the, it was kind of like, if you, when you know that you can help her right. to handle that kind of situation. And I was like, Whoa, I don't know that I've ever like admitted to one of my kids. Like I'm always more like, Oh, don't say what the kids you know, you don't want to say the kid's issues with the other kid, but what you did was you, you declared their divinity and you helped the child understand what about them was frustrating them and how to overcome that frustrating and help, help bridge that gap with the child. And I thought that was really cool. I'm glad you took it that way because like, I think that's probably my coaching because like, um, one of the, I think the biggest gifts from me becoming a coach is like embrace my own hot mess of like, I, I gave up the idea of like this ideal Jenny. And I like to start embracing the Jenny who I am. And yeah. I think that has gone on to my girls where like, where they're, you know, they're sisters, they're going to have like run-ins and when they're feeling frustrated with each other, I'm like, yeah, that girl's like that sister's a hot mess, but like also like she's amazing. And, re- and I help remind them of why they love them and not try to change. And so this, I think does go along well with the statement of like your individualism, like when we can embrace each other's individualism and really see it not as a problem and not as a threat to God's plan, but it is God's plan. Yeah. Okay. Your individual child right now, if they are the most unique young woman in young women's or unique young man in young men's, that is beautiful. And start viewing it that way versus like, I wish he dressed differently, or I wish he didn't paint his nails or had pierced ears. That's fine. Like, it's just expression of who he is and his individual. And, and, and when we start viewing it that way, they will feel loved and valued equally with all the others. Absolutely. And remember that this isn't the ending point. 
this is the messy middle, right? This is the teenage part where they're exploring, where they're figuring things out, where they're trying different stuff on to see how it feels and fits and, and works with their life, et cetera. So, so we just have this, we have this, it's teenage is all that time is always messy. It is. And like, once again, my coaching advice for you at this point is to slow your brain down, really to slow down and be like, this is just this moment. Like this might be a phase. This might be like when they're expressing themselves, how you're not a fan of, um, but to really stop going to the future, like just live in the moment and be like, what, like, and this is where it comes to kind of to our second, our, our second part of the statement where we have faith that our heavenly parents know and understand our unique situations and that by following their guidance given through the Holy Spirit, our earthly family will return to live with them again. Like your unique situation. I know the teenage years with um, Nick, when he came out, they were volunteer in our family. And they um, it was hard, honestly, to love and value him equally some days because it was draining sure. me. It was, it was, we, it was requiring a lot of, um, our emotional and our spiritual, it was, it was very hard on our family because he was in a lot of pain and it, it, I was going to God a lot saying like, okay, now. And so looking back, what advice I'd give to parents, if you're in the middle of that is you're kind of enduring some of it. It does get better. Like though you are in the rough seas and just hang on, just love yourself, give yourself grace, give that child grace and it, it, it will get better. But like, if you could just calm down, not make such big deal about things and really just see what you need, like in your unique situation. And that goes for like their entire life. And for those moments, like see what you can do um, to adapt, to value, have that child feel valued and loved equally in that moment. And it's going to change. Yeah. And we talked about one of the ways. So when your kid's giving you the business, right? Giving you trouble. (laughs) Yes. You, you don't want that on you. So one of the ways to handle this, and we, Jenny and I spend a lot of time talking about the blessings of LGBTQ children in our lives. And, you know, that isn't always the immediate experience that someone else is having. Right. That's sometimes not the reality. We want to acknowledge that. And Jenny is telling you that very kind of story. So what do you do in that moment? Well, the most important thing is that that child knows that they are part of this family, that they are equally loved and valued. Okay. And I just want to pause right there. I know for my son, he is constantly looking for evidence that we don't equally and love and value. So your LGBTQ child will be on high alert of like, are you loving me the same as the heterosexual children? I'm just going to warn parents. Like this is something you will have to really focus on and keep emphasizing with this child. Yeah. If there's that disconnect out in the world, it's going to show up at home, right? That they're not loved and supported. So, so you want to love and support them now loving and supporting them to death is a good thing, but it also needs to be productive and not just candy coated. Right. Mm -hmm. So one of the things we talk about how important it is to, so say your kid comes home from church and they're like, I'm not, I don't want to ever go to church again. I never want to go to church again. I, I don't feel supported there. I, you know, and there's a lot of different reasons and there's a lot of really valid reasons that they may not want to go to church and, and they might just be being a teenager. Right. Or you might want to support them in that. Like, like yeah. you will, that's when you go to the Holy ghost and get that unique guidance for your family. Yeah. And you don't want to freak out. Yep. 
because you, your love for them cannot be based on whether they show up for church or not. That's not like, that's no. not a parental deal. No, that's conditional love versus unconditional. Love. Right. So you say to them, okay, you feel like this is painful for you to go to church. I understand that. And I don't want you to experience this pain. See, I'm showing you love. I'm showing this child love. And, but there are things at church that I think are really valuable. I think, you know, in young men's or young women's or Relief Society or Elders Quorum, we spend a ton of time doing service for others. Mm -hmm. Um, How can you replicate that in your life without the church? What does that look like? And can you set up a framework for that for me? explain to me how you will replicate that in your life. Okay. And then like, I don't believe in God. Maybe I don't want to go to church. I don't believe in God anymore. Okay. So, so if you don't believe in God, what, what is the higher power? Mm -hmm. I don't believe in a higher power. Okay. So what is the thing that motivates you to do better, to be better? Like, what is that in your life? And you're saying like, it's fine that you're feeling these things. I, I can't do anything with them. I need you to think through them. Right. You're helping you're helping them create their own framework, which yeah. beautiful way of helping them use their agency and teaching them. I right? mean, this is the way to do it for sure. This is this is what we do as mothers, right? In fact, I love this quote from Sherry Dew, and I think it's from uh, Aren't We All Mothers? Are we not all mothers? Isn't that yeah. the uh, yeah? Um, as mothers of, in Israel, we are the Lord's secret weapon that i love that our influence comes from a divine endowment which is a gift right that has been placed in place from the beginning in the pre-mortal world when our father described our role think of our individual role i wonder if we didn't stand in wide-eyed wonder that he would bless us with the sacred trust so central to his plan and that he he would endow us with gifts so vital to the loving and leading of his children I wondered if we shouted for joy. Like, I love that idea of standing there with the Lord and shouting for joy at this experience that at this very moment, we're feeling like we can't handle, right? Like, oh, isn't that such an antithesis, right? And we're like, shout it for joy that these spirits were going to come to you. Yeah. And mm-hmm. I have this really strong feeling that, that this is exactly the Lord's like, I have this special project for you, this mm-hmm. special like experience. Holly. So we want to, we want to, now we can't say, well, you don't believe in God. That's terrible. Like you have to believe in God. Like, okay. First of all, they're teenagers. Second of all, they don't have to do anything. And third of all, that separates them from not only us, but God. And the question is really like, is the question, you don't believe in God the way I believe in God. You don't believe that there's anything out there. You don't believe that we have to, you know, like, what are the questions? So I'm putting it back on my son or my daughter or, you know, whatever, or this child that's coming to me in church and saying, you know, I'm a leader and they're saying these things in a class. So, okay. What do you think? Tell me, explain to me. I'm listening to you. I'm valuing what you say. I'm, I'm willing to understand that you're seeing things differently than I am. Because that, I yeah, you so much, and I value what you have to say right now. Right, and like, and letting yourself be okay that they're they're having a different interpretation of their faith than you have interpretation of your faith. Mm-hmm. Like, that it could be different and still valuable. Right, but what we're doing is we're giving them an opportunity to see a different reality and name it 
something similar or, you know, see this, this other thing bringing goodness into their life? How are you going to serve? How are you going to take time out for others? How are you going to calm yourself and have a different experience once a week? How are you going to connect with deity with, with a power? How are you going that shows you that you aren't the most important thing in the universe? Like, you know, how, yeah. How are you going to focus outward? Because that's what our church, I mean, that does really well. It helps us focus outward, helps us associate with people that we might not normally associate with. Mm-hmm. It helps us serve. It helps us lead there. Like you said, there's lots of goodness, not that this goodness cannot be in another framework. And when you like view it that way and talk to your child that way, you give, you're kind of honoring their agency and also having confidence, like seeing the goodness in that child. Because one of the things that helped me get out of my pain about like Nick's choices was like, I stopped focusing on the things he wasn't doing and start focusing on the good he was doing. Yeah. Okay. And so that really is really a mind shift when you're like, there is so much goodness with this child because so, so many of my clients were like, well, he's, my child's not spiritual or my child doesn't believe in God or they don't, you know, but I'm like, your child is completely spiritual. Like, like really, I, I think one of the greatest tools as an LGBTQ family parents is to completely have this vision of this amazing child who he was or she was in the pre-existence and to keep envisioning that child mm-hmm. because we know that they were spiritual giants right this exactly and helping them once you once they've been able to identify what's kind of motivating them then you can kind of come back and say well you know that i believe in god and 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 does it feel the same way with your belief system or like, here's this experience that I've had. Do you have a similar experience in your in your system? And you've named it and I can relate to it as a mom and sort of connect them back together. So we're still having conversations, even though our viewpoints are a little different. Right. Because everybody needs peace. Everybody needs goodness, service. Like those are those things that you can help. And like how Allison said, like, ask them questions. Like, where are you finding peace? Because we know that peace is so important part of our mental health of finding that peace and that um, time with um, like, whether it is med- meditation or something, you know, like that spiritual, that's that your spirit, the soul, however you want to phrase it, but kind of parenting them where they're at without yeah. the resistance of change. And without the motive, you can't go in these conversations with an agenda to, to convince them that, see, you do believe in God. See, yeah. there is a place for you at church. That yeah. would ruin it. Like you really need to build on where they're at. Right. And because we want them to get to that idea that we're all as a family in this together. Yes. You don't ever want them to lose that concept. Nope. And that that the greater, you know, deity what we who we call god is about connecting all of us together as well that is the gospel right we're all connecting back to one another and and my my gut feel is that your child will get to that it just might not look the same way that you are seeing it as an adult and a right. person that hasn't had the same experience as they have and this is something that i believe moms are unique, uniquely empowered to do we are, we know that this child is divine, even when they are the biggest stinkers in the world. Yes. And sometimes when, just when they're asleep, and this <laughs> great story of a woman who's since passed away, but she had a son who was such a troublemaker. 
He was mm-hmm. so naughty when he was young and she, he would come home. I'm sure he was drunk and he'd like slide in past the door, you know, get into bed. Right. And every night she'd go down. And even when he was asleep, she would open the door and just say, I love you. Even if oh. she was so mad at him. Mm, that's and such he, she didn't have to say it to his face or he, she thought he was asleep and yeah. he knew it. He knew it and he heard it and he waited for it. And mm-hmm. as he got older, he let, you know, he kind of testified about this mother who had put up with a whole lot when he was giving her the business and doing all the things he was doing and, um, and working through some really hard things in his own life. And she knew he was divine and she loved him and she let him know it in the only way she could. And it was funny when she thought he was asleep. Right. But, so. but that's, I think that goes on to this um, quote that President Uchtdorf gave us, which like he, he said it so beautifully because give yourself grace, moms, where you're at. And he says it, he's going to say it better. So I'm just going to read the quote. He goes, may I invite you to rise to the great potential within you. Don't feel guilty or dwell on thoughts of failure. Don't compare yourself with others. Do the best you can, and the Lord will provide the rest. Have faith and confidence in him, and you will see miracles happen in your life and the lives and the lives of the, your loved ones. My dear sisters, as you live your daily life with all of its blessings and challenges, let me assure you that the Lord loves you. He knows you. He listens to your prayers. He answers those prayers. Wherever on this world you may be, he wants you to succeed in this life and in eternity. And really, I know our greatest success is being the mother to the children that we are endowed with, right? The gifts that we're doubting with joy, like Sherry Dew gave us that vision. And like, so the Lord is in there with you. And like we say in the second part of this declaration, you know, they will send you guidance given by the Holy Spirit, and they will help you know that sometimes opening the door while your child's asleep and saying, I love you is exactly what your child needs. And that's exactly what you could do right then. It's going to be unique and different for your family. Mm-hmm. All of this statement is to show the world who these children are and to remind ourselves who yeah. these children are. And as we go back to the original uh, scriptures that we have kind of built this all off of, uh, the stripling warriors. So what would the, what did the stripling warriors say? They said, we did not doubt our mothers knew it. Well, mm-hmm. What did they know? They knew that the Lord would protect and um, watch over their children in their yes. time. of That if they turned their children's heart to God, yeah. and however that looks for that child at that time, right? however that looks to him or her, if they turn their children's heart to God, that he would protect them. If, if, they would, if they, these children themselves would turn their hearts to God, he would protect them. He would yeah. see them through dangerous situations. He would get them through. And they knew it and they had the confidence of it. And if we can do that for our children, give mm-hmm. them the confidence that they are not only loved and protected by their earthly family, but their heavenly family. Yeah. How, can, how can they not succeed. You know, succeed? And how can we not be creating goodness in their lives? That's right. They will thrive in this belief that you want to instill in them. Um, and do you want to, we found this quote that oh, just rocks us. Do you want to say that quote, Allison? Yes. That we're, so you know? Heber J. Grant was, his father was my great, great grandfather. So Ooh. I love studying. And he was like this totally intense. His, his father was this totally intense kind of zealot, right? He ended up dying like nine days after um, President Grant was born. Wow. 
So his mother, Rachel Ivins Grant, um, she married the her her husband's brother, and he ended up being an alcoholic and was it was not a great husband or father. So he she divorced him and raised President Grant by himself. And uh, they had zero money. And you know, you might think, oh, this is a recipe for disaster, right? Right. Um, especially back in the 18, whatever it was, 50s. Yeah. Um, but no, this child, because he was so scrappy, he he um he actually jumped on the back of President Young's Brigham Young's carriage and and couldn't get off. So he finally at the end of the ride met Brigham Young and Brigham Young let him come to his house often and then he, because he was there, he got tutored by um, Sister uh, Eliza R. Snow. Oh, what an honor. No wonder. Yeah, he's and if we, you know, so he had this really strong mother. He had these, these tutoring about Joseph Smith from Eliza R. Snow. He worked so hard because his, he wanted to take care of his mother and, and they were working together that he was, he was, had his own company and he was made one of the seventies at like age 15. He was a 70 in the church and he had his own company. And ended up being the prophet and was like really instrumental in a lot of different parts of the success of the of like financial success of the church and, and starting a bunch of programs. So he had this quote that I love, and you can feel like the intensity of his life in this statement and the love of his mother. And he said, without the devotion and absolute testimony of the living God in the hearts of our mothers, this church would die. I just love that that those words from a man with the background that he had yeah so powerful like I love that quote because the visual like I'm asking myself what devotion and absolute testimony of the living God is in my heart like where do I need to raise myself up so that my child will know this without a doubt yeah and how can you instill um a testimony of your child in others because that's what part of the declaration is, right? It's teaching others how amazing these children are. They're loved and valued equally. That each, including these, are divine children of our heavenly parents. So we hope that this becomes kind of part of your, um, your thinking, this idea of like loving equally and valuing equally, both inside your family and as part of the like um, eternal family and, and expressing that to others, how you've learned this. Yeah. Because this will teach. Right. And, and I, you, when you pattern that and where other people see how you are loving that child and loving other members of the LGBT community, you will, that will affect change and people Mm -hmm. will follow your pattern. Okay. So the, you, the goodness of your vision for these members, other people will follow. I testify to that. I've seen this over and over again, where like they start questioning like their beliefs that aren't in line with that, because you're so sure of the goodness of these people. Right. And as you learn from the, your heavenly parents, like what they have in mind for your child, like that, that is an answer in itself of the divinity of these children and, and possibly understanding that we didn't have before about uh, the purpose for all of these amazing children coming to the earth at this time. Right. And that's more to be taught. And I know like when I got my, when Heavenly Father taught me about my son, 
that's where it changed the game where I no longer have fear about his spiritual journey. And he's not doing everything that I would want him to do right now, to be truthful. But I really, I'm not fearful about it because I know it's going to be okay. God's in the story with him and me and God got, has got this. Yeah, absolutely. So I hope, Jenny, do you want to read it one more time? Yes. Okay. This is declaration three and about eternal families. As mothers, we know that our family can only be complete when all members are loved and valued equally. We believe that each individual is an important part of the eternal family of God. We have faith that our heavenly parents know and understand our unique situations and that by following their guidance given through the Holy Spirit, our earthly family will return to live with them again. We test, Alice and I testify that we believe this is truth and there's much comfort and peace in this statement for all of you families. Absolutely. We love you. Love you. We want to add the strength of all moms together and just, we can testify in ways that will, will change everything. Just like our, just like President Grant said, absolute testimony of the mothers. Amen. All right. Bye. Thank you for joining our podcast. Don't forget to subscribe to the Lift and Love podcast. And if you like what we share, we would be so grateful if you would leave us a five-star rating. For more tips and resources, follow us on Instagram and Facebook under Lift and Love Org and Jenny Hunter Coaching. You can also go to liftandlove.org for loads of information and entry into our free support groups. If you're interested in personal coaching, sign up at JennyHunterCoaching.com. The first appointment is free. But most importantly, remember, you are not alone in this journey. We are building a community of thriving and faithful LGBTQ families who are here to lift and love you.